Huh? Yeah, whenever you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wolf. And I'm David Oro, and you're listening to The Umbargo, the greatest PR podcast of all time. Damn straight. Whenever we get around to it. Which is usually every other week. We're going to talk about news, politics, sports, pop culture, business, whatever we want. All of it from the point of view of public relations and communication. We are all about punching stodgy PR in the face. That's right. So sit back, strap in, and let's get it on. Today is Thursday, October 28th. The day after my birthday, Kevin. Thank hey, you happy for birthday, me. man. I think I was yeah. late to the game wishing you happy birthday, man. Yeah, you. Yeah. You reached yeah. out at like nine o'clock it's at like night. Oh shit! They got in under the wire though. Hey, did you have a good birthday though? You know, like family I'm, took I'm, care of you. Makes me wonder how family took care of me. That's always great. I, I thought about having like a little gathering or a party, and I was like, nah, nah. It's middle of the week, and honestly, birthday's a little weird to me. I, I get really pensive and introspective. Rather than, and my wife's the opposite. She's like, let's have a party. Let's do this and that. And I'm like. I just want to chill and I don't like the attention, but it was a good birthday. I feel a lot better today, mostly because I got some deadlines out of my way. So how are you doing? I'm all right, man. Doing all right. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, we had a big ass storm over the weekend, passed through nicely. And uh, yeah, man, I've been busy working my ass off this week. So I'm glad to get a few minutes to chat with you and our guest and just catch up. So everything's good. All right, so our guest this week, and we've got guests coming all the rest of the year, and it's awesome, is William Tinka. And uh, Kevin, I'm going to let you introduce him. Sure, my pleasure. William is uh, William's a great guy. William's the president and editor-at-large of Recruiting Daily, which uh, by all accounts is a marketing and editorial services company. He writes, speaks, advises, invests, tells stories, all about the intersection of HR and technology. He's on the board of a, of a bunch of companies, including Cauldron, Clovers, Mojo Rank, Diversely, Skillset, Skill G-Score, Sturt. I mean, there's a whole long, a long line of them here. He advises companies on everything from sales, product, and fundraising to M&A, customer support, and pivots. And uh, William and I worked together a couple of times on some HR tech stuff. William, Tin Cup, welcome to The Embargoed. Brother, it is Wonderful to be here. And David, uh, just for future reference, I um, every time someone says birthday to me, uh, especially about mine, I say, well, you know, it's kind of odd to celebrate the, the you know, the I have an annual celebration of, of the day I came out of my mom's vagina. Uh, so <laughs> that usually that usually you. that usually ends the conversation. <laughs> bigger celebration for the mom. Yeah, right. exactly. don't you think? I always think like the mother should, should be celebrating. Exactly, right? exactly, exactly. I I came out of her. I didn't really have a whole lot of choice in the matter no. at, the, at that particular moment. You know, there's. Oh, why why, why true, is it man. my birthday? I should be celebrating. She should be celebrating. Like, <laughs> we can celebrate that if you want. You can give me gifts, but those should be going to moms. Man. I, 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 my, my, my mom probably deserves it. I was a pretty yeah. heavy baby, and by all accounts, really difficult in childhood. Uh, she probably deserves that a harm a lot you more know, than I do. You know, that's probably, annual celebration of maybe, coming out of your mom's vagina. That literally ninety. That's how you of kick the, off a show, by the way. No, ninety percent. Ninety percent of the people you tell that story to will go. Uh, okay, I gotta I'm go. Not, <laughs> I'm yeah. not gonna. I'm not gonna bring that up ever, ever again. I'm like, Good. you know, you know, and maybe that's why I've been so pensive and introspective about it, and that's why I felt about it because apparently I was a 26 hour labor. Oof. with oh. a 10 pound baby it to a five foot tall Filipino woman. You <laughs> should get nothing. You should get nothing. She should get everything. It should all go to her. I'm going to give her, yeah, I'm going to give her big hugs next time I see her. Exactly. And apologize for and all apologize. the other Boy, I'm so sorry. These people, they didn't get it. It's not mine. It's yours. I'm going to send you a bunch of ties now. Like you need those. But, you know, who gives a shit? It's yeah. good to have you on, man. It's always good to catch up with you, William. Uh, are, are you, you're out in, in, I know you're in Texas. Are you in Dallas? Are you in the Dallas area? Where are well, you at exactly? Uh, currently, I'm in a gun store. Uh, no, I'm, I'm in okay. Arlington, Texas. In between Arlington, Dallas Texas. and Fort Worth. Uh, I live about three miles from Cowboy Stadium. We call it the Death Star. Locally. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. That's that's the Jerry Jones rocket ship. That's, that's it. It is. It is. And it and looks you, like it could take off. It's 
And so, it's got like a kick-ass, uh, uh, what do you call those, jumbotrons, right? Like it's 65 like, yards long. Yeah, everything's bigger in Texas. Just imagine a TV that you find yourself at a game, whether or not it's soccer or football or a concert or whatever, watching TV mm. is the most, it is, I mean, it's crazy to think about because you've, you've bought tickets to go to this place, to be surrounded by a bunch of people that you don't know, to then watch TV. Watch TV. It's yeah. like... Yeah. It's like, like having everybody over your house. Watch, and sit would you just call TV. this a fucking you know watch party? Yeah, that, that's what it, <laughs> well, essentially it's become. I, I had a similar experience at the Giants game at the uh, baseball yeah. game this year at the uh, was it Oracle Park these days? I can't remember what the yeah. name of it is. And uh, I got box seats right behind home plate, uh-huh. and like it's the best I've ever seen a batter, pitcher, umpire field, or oh, whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, and right in front of me was a TV. <laughs> they asked yeah. right below the line. Because yeah, so it turns like, out people would actually just rather watch this shit on television, that's right, even if they're that's at right. the game. There's, there's a lesson in here for everyone. The, the lesson is, Stay you know, we've got, we've, yeah, we've gotten accustomed to high def. You know, right. now, now that things are in 4K or at least 4K and possibly 8K, yeah. Eh. Plus, it's the, especially with most of these sports, I just want to see the sum up. Like yeah. I, I find myself even even with teams that I love, I'm like, okay, go get to the point. I don't need to see the fumbled deal that they recover. Like, okay, let's go to the next bit. That's like our attention spans, right? Like yes. now that we've got everything on a device, that's we right. want a summary, right? We want to we want we want to flip through it with our finger. I, you ever pick up a newspaper these days, like an actual physical newspaper, and find yourself trying to scroll? With your finger through that thing, like I, I'm trying well, to get to the point of the story. I'm like, but I actually have to turn the page. Like, do I have to fold this thing? What, what are you doing? You, you scroll through a what? newspaper. Yeah, my hands are tired now. I got all this black ink on them. What are you doing? This is killing me, and it doesn't swipe either way. Not only yeah. that, but like the USA Today is written on like a seventh grade level. So it, yeah. it actually makes you dumber as you read it. Like you, you read it, you go. I feel I could just feel my intelligence just it's the lowest common drop it. It's being yeah. sucked out of me. I mean yeah. they do it on they do it for good reason because sure. people are stupid. So <laughs> uh, but 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 still it's like when you read it at every hotel you walk out and you gotta step over it and go <sighs> Uh, yeah. they, they killed a tree for this this thing to sit on this that I'm never going to look at. So. I, I got so many thoughts on that, but I I, I got to ask you, man. So like, you know, you and I caught up recently, and we like got into this this conversation about like diversity and equity and like the the narrative around uh, you know kind of HR and and how that's changed and and why it's different now. And and I started thinking about like how that intersects with public relations and PR and media. And, you know, I kind of wanted to get into that today yeah, and, and sure. just try to like understand, like, is there a, is there a PR aspect to HR these days? And I, I think there is oh, 100% and, and COVID un- exposed it. It, it um, seems like it, right. It, but, no, it, but, it, but it's been it, coming it, too. Like it's been coming and there've been a bunch of stuff in the news lately. And I just wanted to like pick your brain and just get your thoughts yeah. on like, you know, like Netflix and Dave Chappelle and like, yeah, you know, yeah, I Facebook it, and all that shit. Well, so like I look at um, the communication. So employee communications has been around for a long time, but we used to call it employee. It's, it is technically still called employee communications, um, but internally. Um, but usually what that would mean would be benefits, uh, the annual enrollment and uh, employee satisfaction. So it kind of was lopped down into two things. COVID comes along and then all of a sudden it's like it exposes all of these cracks in the veneer of HR that they've been put together with bubble gum and, and uh, you know, tampons and a bunch of fucking MacGyver shit. Right. So, so we finally figured out like, no, you have to actually have a strategy to communicate with all the constituents, candidates, employees, alumni, partners, everybody, customers, everybody. And so uh, overnight, HR literally became more and more valuable. So on one level, it's actually really compelling uh, because, you know, HR people became more compelling, but they also had to learn really fast. And now they're and, and, and learn some of the rules of PR that y'all right. know really well on written rules, written rules, 
you know, you, you, you don't, you don't, uh, there's, there's points in this where you just don't lie. I think that's and maybe it's it maybe a skill set they they didn't have. Hundred percent. Right? I mean, being a public facing figure in a high profile company that under really, under duress, under duress, right? And and that just isn't. I mean, and it really it it cuts across industries, right? I was thinking, yeah. you know, about the uh, the horrible incident that happened on the set of that movie, yeah, uh, with Alec Baldwin, right? And and how that's an HR issue all of a sudden and it's obviously a legal issue and a safety issue i mean there's yeah. a, all kinds of things but, no, but they're, they're, they're going to get calls because now they're going to get calls from the outside but they're going right. to get calls inside because now everybody that works there is going to be worrying about like their safety and what's going yeah. on and what did you do and how are they being taken care of and you know those are good questions first of all like like we should applaud employees for asking those questions right uh, exactly. but but they you're right the skill set they didn't come up that way they weren't born that way they weren't taught that way um and and the best ones normally either bring in some formal training and and, and purchase you know bring folks uh, like yourselves they bring someone in to teach them how do we deal with uh you know how do we deal with crisis how do we deal with these things when they come up? Not when, it, yeah, I mean, no, not if, but when they come up, how do we deal with it? And, and you know, PR people, it's been my experience, y'all have a playbook for crisis. And so, you you know, in every crisis, it's a little bit nuanced and different, but, but you have a playbook and you can help people through whatever the crisis is. Um, so they absolutely didn't, get, didn't have uh, the skill set. They were absolutely blindsided about it. The good news is uh, a year and a half later, they're better at it. But, you know, some of that is they're still learning on the job and the car is still driving and they have to change the tire and all that shit. So, yeah, are are we are we talking you're talking about HR professionals, right? Right. Right. They're better. Yeah. Okay. I'm just catching up to this conversation based on the strong opening that we had about what sort of thing babies. You're still thinking. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just reeling. I'm like, what happened? I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Transition was a little tough, but hey. um, So here's the thing. So, uh, you know, particularly, so guys like us on the outside, Kevin and I will do a lot of media relations and we'll do Mm -hmm. a few things. You're right. It's called employee communications, internal communications. But when I was on the inside running comms, you know, the HR person was often a business partner for us on the corporate communication side. Right. And, you know, the fun stuff is like, hey, we're low on engineers. We need to hire people. Can we do some campaign around a blog post or a press release or or some promotion around getting people in the door so we can evaluate them and have them join our team? But the majority, a lot of it, and then there was some of it around a little bit about benefits every year that you could put together, you know, PR and comms didn't really get involved in that because that's sort of a HR 101 thing that they had to do, but we would help them with channels and intranets and all that. But every now and then there was always, there was a crisis, right? And like a little bit of diversity. I had one at a company that I was with that was, you know, somebody was let go. It was a person of color. Person of color didn't feel like it was right. And I looked around the room. I don't know if it was, it was probably wrong because everybody else I was looking at was white, you know, and it was, it becomes a very sensitive thing. And and you have to work together from a communication side to really understand it and deal with it. And, and, and I could sense the fear in HR's eyes. Oh, I don't know how to do this. Right. You know, know remember HR knows all the dark stuff of a firm. They know the dark crevices of every firm. So they know the pay inequity issues they they have insight into the sexual harassment claims investigations they know all the dark shit so if you ever want to hear uh like the all the darkness that's in every company take an hr person out to dinner and pump Mm. a bunch of alcohol into (laughs) and you will hear some shit that will blow your mind like uh, all of our executives are you know, they're all cashing their stock out and all of them are under sexual harassment investigations. Right. Like, holy it, it's become oh like, it, it's a mainstream issue, right? So I don't know yeah. if you guys watched that, uh, the, the HBO show Succession, you guys. Oh know yeah, of course. That? Right. Yeah. So that, that's become, I mean, that whole, that whole storyline yep. now is wrapped around HR. I mean, you know, there's, you know, incidents happening on a cruise ship that the company is covering up. That's going to, that's right. 
threatening to bring down this, you know, Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch-like empire. Yep. So, so but and what succession I'm and succession itself is HR. That's a component of HR. Right. Exactly. Is exactly. to actually right. line it's up the, the title. Talent. Yeah. It's actually. Yeah. No, that's, I hadn't even thought about that, but that, that that's absolutely right. So, but what I want to know is, I mean, you're a guy who's been around this space for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, when did when did HR kind of um, recognize or begin to recognize the need for PR and not, and, and again, like, I, I, I know it's always been like, Hey, you know, something broke or right, something right, happened, right, right. but like, when did it become like, Hey, we need to be proactive about um, having a PR strategy and getting ahead of stuff and having a plan for when shit does break. It's, it's uh, so, so it's society. Um, HR didn't come to an epiphany. Society kicked him over in Brought the to their stomach. Door. That's right. 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 And so that when you brought up the Netflix and Dave Chappelle thing, uh, that's an, that's a perfect example. Uh, three years ago, maybe even five years ago, 10 years ago, that, that would have never happened. That wouldn't have been a thing. Hmm. But we, How, when you say it wouldn't have been a thing, like, I mean, that's employees, true. For a bunch of, yeah. Employees wouldn't have felt emboldened right. enough to say something, uh, right. speak their truth, talk about their pains, et cetera. They just wouldn't have, they would have, they would have just swallowed it and gone on about their business. Right. But thankfully, we're at a, a better place on some levels, you know, um, on some levels where people could feel like they can speak their truth. Yep. Now, uh, I separate that from, I watched the special. I'm a huge Dave Chappelle fan, still yep. am. I thought it was funny as shit. Yeah. Because I think comics, their job is to tell us shit that we're uncomfortable with by making us laugh. So I think actually one of the jobs of a comic is to actually point out shit that's broken, and 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 or and that's uncomfortable, or that he doesn't know how, someone doesn't know that, how to deal with. That's right. That's yeah. if yeah. you want if you if you want that, go to a, go to a therapist. Right. If you want to be in a comfortable environment, you know, go to a, go to a massage parlor, you know, especially a Korean one. But like, <laughs> go to a massage parlor, or go somewhere where it's going to be comforting. <laughs> You want you want you want comfort. Don't go to a comedy store. Good so, God! So let's not, talk about the Chappelle issue a bit, David. You, you're you're up on this, right? You've been following that storyline. I've been following that storyline, and I'm going to agree with William on this. I'm a fan of Chappelle, right? That that stuff hurts sometimes, Supposed but to. he does it in a fun in a funny way, yeah. and uh, and and he's probably one of the most insightful individuals of. The zeitgeist of what's happening in America. That's exactly you know, it's exactly know. correct. Like he was showing, and the more the irony is 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 the more outrage, what I call false outrage, but the more outrage is the more he picks at it and goes, You're outraged at these words, yet this black kid is killed over here. A person has died, and there's no outrage. Right. Just look at the inequities. Yeah, like like he's shining a light into some dark corners, and he's saying, you know, we're gonna keep here, we're gonna keep doing this until you finally recognize. At one point, I'll be dead, but at one point you'll recognize that a comic's job is to actually speak about an artist's job in general. So now you can actually broaden it out, is to actually poke at society, and then say, yeah, that's that's not the way that should be done. And get society to think whether or not that's through literature, art, or music, or whatever. But so, so here's the thing, though, right? So I'm on board with all that, right? And I think that's what Netflix position, at least the CEO, the co-CEO, I think yeah, uh, yeah. Ed Sarandos, probably yep. mispronouncing his last name, but you know, he had a there was like a letter that was leaked, and you know, he's been, you know, out there kind of talking about the issue, and you know, their position is like, look, this is what artists do, and we're here to support the artists and you know we understand that some people may be you know put off by what was said but you yeah, know we stand behind watch. the exactly right don't watch but so but i'm wondering like from an hr perspective like is that oh, they're getting hammered so but is that the message so is does does hr go to do they go to hr and say hey how do we we need to have a strategy for dealing with this in terms of like the perception and what our position is going to be how much do you think HR at Netflix particip- participates in a conversation about how to position the company externally when something like this happens, if at all? The very moment it happens, it's, it's, it's you mentioned the word proactive, and I was almost about to laugh. It's really reactive. Hmm. 
uh, in, in nature. It's something just blew up. Employees are angry. Employees have Twitter accounts and it's on. And now what? So then they get pulled into the discussion rather than being proactive. Now, of course, it would be better if they actually did have a proactive strategy around all of these different things, but they don't. It's reactive. They have to react to something that happened. So, okay, so a a part of our community, uh, a part of our employee base, uh, we're not even going to deal with the customers or anything like that, but a part of our employee base is upset with us because we allowed this to happen. Okay, so what do we do with just all of those emotions and how do we communicate with them? No, they they got dropped on their front door uh, Mm -hmm. Sunday at 4 a.m. Right. Good luck. Yeah, and and, and I think (laughs) it's delivered. Is it safe to assume the same is true, you know, at at every other big company? So I mean, Google, Tesla, 100%. You know, Amazon, uh, you know, I I assume like Facebook, right? That's another classic example of something we've talked about on this show a bunch, right? And and, and they've got, you know, they've got public relations problems. They've got legal problems. They've got regulatory. I mean, you name it. But at the core of a lot of this stuff is is an HR issue. Right. Like, you know, how, how do we deal with the way that people and, and you've got these whistleblowers that are out in public now, like how do we deal with the fact that people are inside our own company are standing up and saying, we don't like what this company is yeah. doing, what it represents. Like, so, so if there's no plan. Facebook should rebrand. It's like uh, when, Hulk Hogan, <laughs> when, when Hulk Hogan rebranded and he came out and he, and he dyed his mustache Right. And he went to like this real well, dark place and everyone was well, running a bunch of strippers well, and shit around him. Like he, he just came out and he said, instead of being the light, I'm going to be the darkness. Yeah. What Facebook should basically outside of rebranding with name wise, what they should do is just come out and say, Hey, we're just pure evil. Right. And if you want to get off the platform, just em- cool. embrace it, just yeah. embrace it, just fucking go and actually call it pure evil.com. Yeah. <laughs> and Mark you know it. what? If you want to stay on it, great. Now right. you've signed. Now you know what you signed up for. And if you don't, fuck off. Go somewhere. Yeah, wear go, it. go somewhere else. We totally don't give a wear show. It. So, so uh, listen. Facebook. Yes. Did, Facebook did rebrand today. It's called yes. Meta, which yes. is lame. Yeah. But I, a pure evil sounds better to me. William. Pure I agree. evil. Just pure, pure evil. evil. Pure evil. Let, let's go back to. Chappelle, because we could go off on Facebook all day oh, long. Yeah. We love oh, yeah. that, that's, that's <laughs> which that's we will do. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the Chappelle issue. They did something that Facebook didn't do, and they began to apologize and began to communicate. Right. Be, began to be interesting. That, that's the calm side of it, right? You yeah. know, they walked they, it back a little bit. That's they right. walked it back yeah. a little bit. They had yeah. to. They yeah. had to because they weren't going to rip down something they paid fifty million dollars for. Like, right. duh, your entire community and employees doesn't represent $50 million in revenue. Sorry. Like, here's the, here's the fucking newsflash. You can be upset. Yep. That's a personal choice to be upset. You want to be upset at work? Again, still a personal choice. You can be upset. We paid this guy $50 million. He's going to bring in more than $50 million in revenue. Right. So we get that you have feelings. You unique snowflake, fan-fucking-tastic. I'm glad you have feelings. Doesn't mean that your feelings now become law. Yeah. So HR, Kevin, has to deal with that shit every day because people feel like their feelings are somehow, their opinions are somehow law. And it's and it's it, Twitter actually uh, does not help this because everyone has a Twitter account. And they believe that outrage is real outrage and then and, and, you know outrage on twitter is, is, is somehow related to what what is real outrage it's it's false it's outrage usually, it's usually outrage. on the fringe too right it, it probably yeah, doesn't represent of course majority. of course of course of course yeah i, I like that that feelings are sometimes are not law right and that's what i think yeah. we're seeing today like in the in morality right. is, yes is not law either right so no no it never know. has been uh, yeah. But but the thing the the rise and the the importance of PR and HR, especially the comm side in, internally, is they're going to have to deal with that more now in the future, uh, which we are doing today. I mean, if you right. listen through anything on where PR or comms communications are happening, it is about 
um, equality and right. social equitability and, yep. you know, DEI, whatever it is. And then how to take a stance, brands in particular, right? Yep. Where do you stand? You go all Nike, Colin Kaepernick, or you yep. just kind of like go down the middle and try to be cool like the NFL, right. <laughs> trying to get on anybody's side. I, I think, you know? <laughs> I, and the answer is is always for HR and, and for those brands is who are you? Hmm. Just be you. If, 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 if you're a pear-shaped middle-aged white guy firm, all right, well, then don't try to act like somebody you're not because that's what's going to get you into trouble, both internally and externally. It's not just optics. It's you're not being who you are. And again, if you embrace diversity and you truly do embrace it and you do everything you can to actually care about diversity and pay equity and all of the things that are important, well, then you, you live that. You actually do that. And so then the telling of the story is easy internally and externally because it's just like you don't have to put up a facade. Yeah, it's just, and that's this is who we are. I've seen a lot of companies struggle with that. Like they they feel like they need to hop on to the mm-hmm. thing. Whether it, some some companies are, I, I've seen them like, oh, we're going to be environmentally conscious and we're going yes. to do that in every Zero step footprint. possible. Zero, Zero footprint. footprint. Zero footprint. And then, but. They won't no. take any action on yeah. it. Meanwhile, but... we're burning all of our coal in <laughs> yeah. all of our meetings. They're coal-driven meetings, and you know the the thing is, is that would that David, that's what gets them in trouble mm. internally. So get back to the employees, because now I- employees are now holding them to a standard that the company has set. So if you set the expectation before, is like politicians. Politicians come out and say, "Hey, we're all for public education." And then all of a sudden they get elected. No one gives a shit. No one's paying attention. And then they fund a bunch of you know charter programs and vouchers, and no one's really held them to it. At one point, we'll fix that. You know, probably uh, two hundred years from now. But with companies, company comes out and says zero footprint. All the employees are looking at the those that care about climate change. They're they're actually paying attention. Right. And now, oh, by the way, because of ERGs and SIGs, employee research groups and special interest groups, the internal groups for employees, now they feel like they can get together, talk, and then go to management yeah. and go, hey, you said zero footprint. Bobby over here is, you know, tearing down fucking, you know, uh, trees every day. Yeah. You know, well, what oh, happens is it, it, it runs up against... Exactly. It runs up against the bottom line. And so that's what I wanted to ask you about is like, you've got these divergent needs, right? You've got the employees who are saying, hey, you know, uh, diversity is important to us. Equity is important to us. Inclusivity, this is all, this all matters. We want a voice. Um, and then you've got, you know, then you've got shareholders mm-hmm. who are saying, no, no, no. What, what really matters is, yeah. you know, the bottom line. So if you're an HR organization, how do you, how do you thread that needle? Well, you, you do it. I mean, the HR's responsibility with all the other executives is, you know, the, 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 defin- the actual definition of an executive is a agent for the shareholders. Hmm. That's actually the definition of what an executive is. So, so their job, all of them's jobs, anybody that's an executive for a company, their job is to expand the wealth of shareholders. That's right. it. That's, so their, that's, job. Their, that's their priority. Then. That is the only priority. Yeah. That is the only priority. So all this stuff of we want to, that's cool. If it's an alignment with right. increasing shareholder value, that's your only job. I don't care if you're in marketing, sales, ops, finance, HR, your job is you're an agent, literally an agent for the shareholders. That's it. Which, which so, is, it, it just, it runs up against, and, and it's just happening more often you know, more and more often, right? Is that it's happening more often because employees are picking out the stuff that's incongruent, right. the incongruent uh, things that they say they we, that diversity is important. They don't do anything about it because it's not in alignment with yeah. shareholder value. So, now, so how does a company navigate that? I mean, I think that's that's a really tricky question, right? And no, I'm, I'm not no, sure you do it. You do it like Amazon. There's a model. It's right in front of us. Amazon is a great model for this. Amazon has basically said, fuck all that shit. Our job is to make money. Make money, right. Yeah. And guess what? If you don't like that, don't work here. 
And you're, I mean, that's basically what Facebook is doing without saying that, right? They're that's kind of exactly right. around that point, but that, that is what they're pure doing. Pureevil.com. Yes, they're pure doing that, but they're right. doing it in a slightly different way because they're still trying to act like they're not evil. Right. Uh, but, but, but in truth, they, they, Amazon has got the perfect model. Wall Street does this too. Like there's really no difference between Wall Street and Amazon. They're actually run exactly the same way. It's a shark fest. And, and it's all about making money. Now, whether or not you're trans or whether or not you're African-American or whether or not you're short or you're Protestant, they don't give a fuck. Can you make money? Yeah. You can, if you can make money, good. You can stay here. If you can't, leave. Like, we're, we're okay with you leaving. We're okay with it being all white. Like, you know, because that our job is to make money for other people. That's right. it. So, so, people, what do you, so, so you're, wanna, if you're a disabled African American trans person, yeah, and you're rolling in, you're making it rain for the company, you're going to succeed 100% Amazon 100%. Yeah. Not, not only that, but they'll, 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 they, they, they the, the, the thing is, is they will love you because if they actually do quietly care about diversity and inclusion, belonging, equity, and equality then they're going to look at this and say, that's a three, four or a four, four, because they don't just check one box. They check three or four boxes. Fan fucking tastic. But what it really comes down to, do they make money? If they make money, great. They can stay. If they don't fuck them, they got to go somewhere else. Now companies are trying to play the middle and they think that their employees are stupid and they're not. They're not stupid. A, B, they have a voice and their voice is getting stronger. So now what companies have to really reconcile is they have to go back and tell their employees, oh, by the way, we have to make money. So now in all these SIGs and ERGs and all this stuff, hey, listen, it, it can't come down to morally, what should we do? It has to come down to uh, the alignment of morality and profit. Mm. So, so let me ask you a question. Let's take it, and it, it's not totally disconnected, but take it for a second outside the, the realm of capitalism and making money and, and put it more into kind of a, a systems of government. So one of the things we've talked about before on this pod are, are vaccine mandates. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, you, you see like um, at the federal level and the state level requirements, uh, in, you know, around the country for, um, you know, for uh, state workers, for federal employees to get vaccinated, it's become a requirement. Right. Um, and you know, it, it's in order for the government to operate. It's in order for in, in order for people to be safe. Um, obviously, it has a um, you know correlation to the uh, to the economy, but right. it's it's a it's a public safety issue in a lot of ways. So, right. But but HR again, once again, is kind of in the middle of this crosshairs. Yeah, totally right. Of this kind of PR um, quagmire. Like, what do they do? How do they communicate? Look, you've got to do this. This is in the best interest of the community. We yeah. want everybody to get vaccinated. Uh, and, you know, and, and they've got to be kind of, again, the public face of, yep. uh, you know, kind of they've got to represent the employees. But at the end of the day, they're kind of representing the, the needs of the government, uh, you know, public institutions. So so how, what, what's your take on that? How do uh, how does HR fit into that? Yeah, equation? nowhere in the Constitution does it say you have the inalienable right for a job. It's life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Right. So companies can require whatever the hell, whatever they believe they need to. Governments can too. If it, if it goes through legislation and they, they, they want to require everyone to wear pink socks, is what it is. You don't want to be a citizen? Move somewhere else. Same thing with companies. If they want to do a mass mandate and they put it out there, you as an employee feel like that's um, undue or you feel like that somehow it is against uh, your, your, what you believe in, great, go get another job. Right. So it's a, where HR blows that, Kevin, is they try to walk that line of being cool with everybody. Like we want to be okay with everybody and you can't. Right. In the you same just, way they can't in a corporate setting, right? That's it's, exactly it's, it's right. The same, it's the same challenge. Yep. It, it, it may not be connected to the bottom line per se, but it, it's the same idea, right? I, I, I would I assume that I would assume it is, Kevin. 
yeah. I would assume that the reason they're doing a mask mandate has zero has to, to do. Now, this is how jaded I am. Uh, I would assume it has zero to do with public safety and everything to do with profit. The economy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. But it, but it, I think, again, like what, what I keep finding and I think we keep coming back to is HR is found itself in the middle of all of these issues. That's right. It wasn't prepared for it. Now, now it has to deal with it. It still isn't prepared. So, so, so where do, where do we go from here? Like how, like, okay. So you're, you, all of a sudden, you know, you, uh, you get flown to, uh, you know, to, uh, to some remote location uh, and all of a sudden you're sitting there with the heads of HR for, you know, the 10 biggest companies in the world and you've got to kind of guide them through, here's how you prepare for as an HR person, as the head HR person, you're coming, here's how you prepare for your new role in the company in the yeah. middle of all of the issues that are happening now and likely to happen in the future. What are the two or three things that you tell these people they need to do? Well, first thing is, is uh, you, you, the advice would be kind of triage like this. Hire experts in crisis on one level and goodwill on another. So there's experts in both areas that just know how to do both. Hire those folks to teach you, maybe even internally, to then do it internally uh, because crisis is inevitable. Internal employee-driven crisis and company and executive level customer related crisis these are inevitable so so the thing is is the first thing is to surround yourself with experts so let's just start there second is is ratchet up not ratchet like in a strip club ratchet but like ratchet up in in terms of the intensity uh crisis is now going to happen okay more in seconds and minutes rather than uh months and weeks so not only is it going to happen more frequently, but your response has to be more frequent. The velocity on both sides have become in, more intense and the expectations are more intense. And that, and that, that air is not going back in the bottle. Right. So getting them to understand, okay, surround yourself with experts. Second crisis, by the way. It was a once a week thing. Now, now it's a daily thing. Oh, it was yeah. a daily thing. Now it's an hourly thing. Okay, it's an hourly thing. Now it's every now it's every five minutes. Yeah. So it's hitting you every five minutes. What are you going to do? And and probably thirdly is uh, I would tell them stop telling lies. Hmm. Whatever your authentic self is as a corporation, just be that, and stop yeah. trying stop trying to appease to everybody. Stop trying to placate and uh, and be the lowest common denominator for everyone. Be who you are, whoever you are. And if you have something aspirational, call it aspirational. Like actually say, you know what? We're not diverse, but aspirationally, we'd like to be diverse because we believe it'll help us with profitability. Yeah. You know yeah. what? I'm down with that. That yeah. Tell the truth, though. Yeah. Hire experts. Yeah. Crisis is coming at you every second. And uh, be authentic. Dro- drop dropping the knowledge here and advice for that, uh, William. Thank you. No so, now, Kevin, we, we've got to switch gears here because oh, we're, yeah. we're coming up against time. But uh, before we get too far, William, I just onto our next little segment here. Right. This is, should have transitional music. Uh, you want to talk a little bit more about the work that you're doing specifically around being recruiting daily and everything like that would just get that out there. And yeah, yeah. it's a, it's, you know, y'all, y'all work with TechCrunch every day. So, you know, it's a little bit different, but like for recruiting in HR, they need a, they need a kind of repository of information. That's just for them. Like, like what TechCrunch does for tech entrepreneurs and people that follow tech it's kind of like that. So recruiting daily, we own another media site called HCMT, which is all more about HR. So we have one for recruiting, one for HR. And it's by and large, it's a content site that also has events, also has training and also does these other things, but we're just trying to make recruiters better. Mm. And it's, it's a tough job in a normal environment. And now you add in this environment that they're in right now, where, um, it's actually harder to recruit a recruiter than it is a software engineer for the first time in ever. Really? 
Yes. Harder to recruit a recruiter. That's correct. What do you attribute that to? Why is it hard to find recruiters? Because the job itself is so painfully difficult to find talent. Hmm. And it's so easy. Candidates are fickle. Candidates, and even in a professional service uh, and professional environment, they're accepting multiple offers, going to the first one, not liking it, leaving, going to the next one. That doesn't just happen at Wendy's or, or Walmart. That's actually happening at you know, PwC. Mm. So you know, candidates are tough to find. They're tough to engage. They're tough to, once you then get them to a point of accepting, they do accept. They're also accepting multiple offers. Mm. So it is a soul crushing job in a normal environment. Now you add in. 11 million open jobs, great recession. People reevaluated their yeah. life. They want to work from everywhere else. And oh, by the way, the job just got harder. Yeah. And I think recruiters too, that don't they get, they don't really get fully paid until somebody is on board for a certain amount of third, time. Third party. If they're internal, they get, you know, they're salaried uh, with yeah. bonuses, but external. So staffing RPO and anybody that's a third party recruiter, they usually now, because it's so hard, David, they've all moved to retainer models. Uh, so that it used to be that they would do some type of contingency fee where success fee, but, uh, and, and it would be a high fee, you know, 40%, it'd be a higher fee. But now most of the good ones, actually, most, if you're in recruiting, you're, you're still in recruiting, you're good enough. Uh, you've moved that to, yeah, we're going to get retained. So yeah. If you want us to do this search, we're going to get retained. You're going to pay us. And, or we're just not going to do the search. Hey, Dave, mm-hmm. I know you want to get to the game uh, segment of our show, but I, I did have one more question for William on, on the subject of HR. Sure. Uh, William and I got connected, you know, 15, 20 years ago, whatever it was, around uh, HR technology. And I haven't done a ton of work in the HR tech space over the last probably 10 years. What's Nothing's that? changed. You're good. I was going to ask. Right? So, <laughs> is that right? I mean, no, it's absolutely right. Seriously, okay. you could go back and look at your playbook from when we worked together and literally go back and look at it and go look at the companies that are going a lot, getting funding right now, and you could apply the exact same stuff. So the, the technology though, I mean, now we've, I mean, so like, yeah, the technology has like, changed. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. what's the big development? Like what's happening? Like, I know, I think it's gotta be like AI, right? Like that's, well, what's, it's, what's it's the big thing happening in HR tech. Right it's now? all of enterprise software is going through kind of the same revolution. It's it's the low value task. So work is being then carved up into um, quadrants of high value and low value and some of the stuff that's in between and all the low value stuff that people used to spend their TPS reports and stuff like that, that people would spend their time on. Yeah, all that can be automated. Right. And so that's, that happens in HR, that's happening, you know, in accounting, that's happening everywhere. So the low value stuff in recruiting, they take all that stuff like scheduling. There used to be a bit where that, that especially there would be people inside of a firm that their entire job was candidate scheduling. That was their job. That was, that was actually like a bit. Okay. Now, now you have a bot that right. does that. Right. So you have a conversational bot that can go do that, put it on the counter, get everyone together, put it the conference room or a zoom call, whatever the thing is. And that's done. And Oh, by the way, it's done in seconds. So not only is it done correctly, it's done accurately. It's done. Uh, and everyone had a great experience. So mm-hmm. all that low value uh, activity is all being rooted out all the way through payroll and, and, uh, and, and uh, performance management and learning and training right. and all throughout Just the entire value up by chain. The machines, gobbled up by the machines. All the low value stuff, which right. frees up the humans to do more of the human related things in HR. Which, which, by the way, just to bring it full circle, seems like they should be spending more time with their PR people. Or 100%. Thinking about PR and thinking about the way they communicate what they're doing and what the company is doing and their position on issues that you know are, are you know super important they have okay so they they we've always had kind of an emergency evacuation plan hr you know creates one of those they create kind of a um a succession plan these are worst case scenarios company you know falls apart who are we going to put into places to for leadership and and so they're, they're, these aren't foreign concepts but right. they don't they don't have micro crises plants mm-hmm. they don't have that and, and that's going so to be dumped to. on their front door. Oh, yeah. they. Yeah. I mean, that's I the mean, future of HR. 
I think that's the takeaway for this uh, this pod. If you're listening and you're connected to your HR person, or you, if you're if you're a PR person and you're not connected to your HR person, make that a priority. They need your help. They're going to need your help. Oh uh, my God! Even more they, going they, and they won't reach out. That's the other thing about HR is because there's you know they, that's not how they came up. The, the, it's so far away. PR is so far away from them that they wouldn't reach out mm. because they don't know what PR does. Because they're, you know, they got heads down, they're, you know, doing this yeah. job. They don't know what PR does. So if PR people actually reached out and say, "Hey, listen, we're like experts in crisis management, and and if if it's a goodwill or or whatever, but let's just say crisis management. Like, if you like, we can like, you know, teach some internal classes, right? Like, and get people to understand kind of how to deal with when things come up, not if when things come up. Here's how we approach it. Here's how we triage." crisis uh i i think first of all if pr people did that they would be super beneficial to mm. everyone in hr mm. makes sense yeah good shit um right sure. on man i i appreciate that i, I know the people listening will too thank you uh, no worries for your no worries. insights there man so I'm probably we, still getting over the vagina thing but that's okay <laughs> right. no worries Sorry david 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 looks rocked actually actually uh, william uh, it's been a great conversation i, I love it and i love Good. the 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 insights that you're sharing it and the humor that goes along with it it's perfect for the embargo thank you no doubt not a problem not a problem hey, so so usually around this time william we wrap up with some sort of a game i couldn't think of anything clever today but i thought you know this is the time of year when a lot of the editors that i'm talking to want to know what vendors and and uh in the tech space are thinking about for 2022 so i thought we could just bounce some sure companies and people and whatnot off you and get your take through through an hr comms type lens sure what should these companies be doing what do you see happening to these companies and people in 2022 if that's all right oh 100 let's go yeah cool so i, I think you know kind of uh e easy uh low-hanging fruit here for you facebook what do you, what do you see happening to these guys from a from a company HR comms perspective over the course of the next twelve months? I think well with, new, with the new story of Meta, they, they've got to be able to start telling more of the truth and a little bit less of the black box. So because they're going to have more whistleblowers that are going to come out, so more of that is going to come out about the past. So some of that is just owning it. I think I think that's going to be part of the the HR's future as they recruit. Because it's been easy for Facebook to recruit because it's Facebook. Right. And it's going to be now it's going to be increasingly challenging to recruit at Facebook. And that's something they've never had to deal with. They've never they've always been able to open up a job and 10,000 people want to work at Facebook. Mm. And, and that's that is, is slowly going to go away. And so they're going to have to figure out a way to tell a different story and tell more of their truth. And uh, on the recruiting side and the HR side. See, let's see here. Kevin is three miles away from Facebook HQ, and in 2022, he will get a job there. Well, I was going to ask you for your your prediction. Actually, <laughs> along those lines, would you, Dave, if Facebook came calling, would you would you want to do PR for Facebook? Oh hell yes. Oh, well, sorry, you, you, David. <laughs> yes. Hey, you sorry, stick David. to the you stick to the HR and vagina question. No, that's, 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 that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I I would. I, I would if they were serious about the change, right? Instead of doing, uh, if instead of being evil, they would do good. And I think in, in, in their mind, they do good. Like, you know, yeah. I've been off for like three weeks now, but I hopped on the other day and then I, I was do I was scrolling and there was some cool stuff on there that I was like, Sorry. Oh, here's some friends and stuff like this is cool, but I can't stay. I'm out. And so I got out again. It was like 30 minutes. If they were going to do good. Yeah. But the way they are headed now and the, uh, the obtuseness of their particularly coming from their comms team. No, not at all. Yeah. The money's not worth it. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it, you want to do good work. You want to be around people that are, you know, and I don't, changing I don't the world think for the better. Change. I, I don't see these yeah. people change. Oh, no. I don't think they're going to change at all. I mean. Not, not until, because Zuckerberg's not going to change. No. In no. so in the Valley or, you know, the, I've heard it first in Austin, Texas, but it, you know, lipstick on a pig. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, that, that's all this is. If they really wanted to change, they could change. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, the guy, he's, you know, Zuckerberg's in charge, right? He all, yeah. holds all the cards, so he can he do does. whatever he wants over there. But 
All right, that's a good one. Um, how about, I'll say Netflix, but I'll put Netflix in the same bucket as like all the other kind of content producers out there. And uh, again, kind of just from, from the lens of like, you know, uh, sensitivity and um, making sure that they are acknowledging and, and sometimes catering to uh, the opinions and, and feelings of its employees. Like, what do you see happening to Netflix and other content producers as they try to produce art and other content in 2022? I think, uh, first of all, I think it's, you know, again, getting back, we'll, we'll stay off of the alignment with profit thing for a second. It's, it's again, if it's in the best interest of the company, do it. If it's not, don't. If it's in the best interest of your employees, do it. If it's not, don't. Um, and if you've if you've got a large Latinx population that you either serve as a content producer or that's a part of your company, yeah, you should probably care about that. Now, how do you how do you express how you care? Now that becomes kind of a more interesting discussion because it, it could be that you fund more micro projects or small films or documentaries and things like that. So you get some of these stories that we don't know out there. Right. That's a, that's a cool way of, and, and some of those things are loss leaders. They're like, you're not going to make money on that stuff, but you're doing it for the right reasons. Back to sure. David's point, you're doing good work and, and you can make the economics work down the road. You can make the economics work because you can, you can, because you're serving your own community internally, it's, it's when, it's when uh, you're, you're, you're serving a small group of people that are loud and define that any way you want. A small group of people that are loud, that's outside of the alignment of profitability. That's where you're going to go wrong. I, and define that any way you want it. Yeah. That's race, religion, you anything know, you want to throw in. Yeah. Uh, you know, outside of that, and I'm talking about the content producers, and let's right. take away something. I'm going to make a business prediction. I think some of these streaming subscription services are going to fail, like uh, Paramount One or the Peacock Network. Right. Like uh, people are getting oversubscribed. Nickel and Diamond, six ninety nine for Peacock. Yeah. Three ninety nine yeah. for Disney. And well, we all got like, into the we all got into those subscription services because it, because it was like a way to get away from from the, uh, the bundle, right? It yeah. was like, hey, we're not going to pay. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to pay Directv a couple hundred bucks for you know we don't watch seventy five percent of those channels. Just give it to me in piecemeal. And what we're finding, I think, is that when you start adding up all those services, yeah. you're back paying three hundred dollars a month. Money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, but but yeah. I think some of those will fail. Like there, there's a few of them that. I don't think has a chance, you know, it, it's, it's how they niche out uh, yeah. for me, David, if they niche out like uh, Peacock um, owns the right currently on NBC sports owns the right to the English premier league. Hmm. Uh -oh. So, <laughs> so what they'll do is they'll put more important games. So Liverpool plays man, Manchester United. They'll put that match on Peacock. You yeah. can only get it here. Right now, yeah. if you're a, if you're an EPL person, six, you know, seven bucks a month, uh, worth it. 80, yeah. uh, 80 bucks a year. Shut up. That's, that's not even a good bottle of scotch. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. not a problem. So yeah. if they niche out and they find something that people really care about, they'll be successful. But if they try to be all things, all, all people, only Netflix will win. Yeah. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me, let me throw one more at you guys. Um, and, and I'll just kind of like wrap it up in the, like the, the Tesla, Elon Musk, but let's, let's talk about climate change. You know, yeah. like obviously, you know, a, an important issue uh, in the news constantly. I'll even connect it to like supply chain issues that we're experiencing globally. Mm -hmm. We feel at home here every day, but what, what, what do you see happening over the course of the next 12 months with the conversation around climate change in 2022? Uh, first of all, I don't think it's an important issue. Uh, second of all, uh, I think people will talk about it and nothing will be done. And the, and the reason I believe that is because if, if it were really important, then we would, then we'd have important conversations about it. And, wow. So and, you're saying you don't think it's important because you don't think uh, conversations are being had right. at, at, right. at a high level and people aren't taking the issue people seriously can't, enough? Because people that are, that care about, we all care about clients. Like, like, again, disabled people no one's going to say that they hate disabled people no one's going to say that they hate the the mentally retarded no right. one's going to fucking say that out loud 
And so no one's going to say, oh, climate change? No, that's, it's all a fucking myth. It's all made up. It's a bunch of bullshit. I don't believe it. No one's going to say that. And those that do are really crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the folks that, that are apathetic that don't do anything about it. That, you know, like, like, again, everyone has a recycling bin. How many people actually recycle? Right. So we say that we care about recycling, but how many actually do recycling? And it's a hell of a lot less than you think. So on one level, is the conversation important? Well, of course it's important. Right. But, but, but no one's but, doing anything about but it. But no one's doing shit about it. Yeah. So, and just kicking the can down the road. Dude, it's, it, it's, is, is that it's, the view? Is that it, the view from Central Texas? It's a little bit different here in California, I would think. Yeah, but yeah, but again, well, California. What the beauty of California is, it leads it. We everyone else in this, other than yeah, everyone else lags behind California, and usually it's Southern California. Generally speaking, we lag behind Southern. We we lag. It's seven year lag. But the thing is, is even in that lag, we've been talking about climate change, like. I remember Earth Day when I was in elementary school. Right. Okay. Right. What the fuck's changed? Yeah. Really? We're not doing anything about it. We're not doing shit about you think it. 2022 so, is just more of the same. Oh my God. It's, it's worse. It's, yeah. it's worse from this sense, from this perspective. It's worse because more people will say it's important. Right. <laughs> it, it's, uh, and, and that doesn't help. More people saying it's important. I don't give a shit. In fact, I'd like less people to say it's important. Tie it to profit. Mm. Tie it to money. And guess what? You'll find, oh shit, it's important. Because the very moment you can tie it to money is the very moment that you get everyone's attention. Well, you know, Elon Musk tied it to money. That guy's the $300 billion that's, man now. That's, that's correct. He's almost the first world's trillionaire or whatever the hell it is. And good for him. Yeah. Good for, I got no hate in my heart for that because you know what? He basically said, screw this. I'm actually going to do something about it. And he went and built something that other people have been talking about for 40 years. Like the, the Jetsons were on TV with electric vehicles. Like, like this isn't new. Right. I mean, there was prototype electric cars in the 60s. Yeah. This guy actually on. just said, yeah, mm -hmm, fuck all that. I'm just going to build it and then produce it and, and then people will buy it because it's cool and because those that do care will stop talking about caring and then do shit that actually helps with a so, profit incentive profit incentive. yeah great there so he go. tied he tied it to money yeah good, so. good for him yeah if we did that uh you know and, and kevin not to you know i mean again i'm jaded but if we really cared we'd find ways to actually tie it to dollars to tie it to money, to tie it to profit. Because the entire economy, and not just ours, but the world's economy runs on currency. Sure. It doesn't run on whether or not the fucking polar ice caps are melting. Yeah. It, it runs on currency, period. Yeah. Bitcoin, crypto, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It, it runs on that. Yeah. So I think if I were advising anyone that cares about climate change, I'm saying, I would say, you've got to build a business case. Stop talking yeah. about the moral and ethical um, uh, positioning of it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, all those things failed. In fact, if you tell someone that they should, mm, you've already lost me. Right. Don't tell me what I should do. Tell me, tell me how it's going to impact my bottom line. Now, yeah. if you if you hit me there and you say, "Hey, by the way, if we if you don't do this, this is how it affects your bottom line." And as a business leader, I'm listening to you. I'm now right. changing. But more talk. 2022 is, yeah, more people with Twitter accounts, more, more moral outrage, more ethical and moral, you know, things that are going on, endangered species, this, that, and the other. And no one gives a fuck because yeah. they're not doing enough about it for it to give a fuck. Yeah. Makes you want to move, you want to move the needle? You actually have to move the fucking needle. Gotta you can't talk it. your way through moving the needle. I hear you, man. Um, that's uh that's good shit sad so, sad no, it's, yeah. it's reality, but no i, I think <laughs> you're reality. right um so you know we got to embrace that um all right man our uh, our closing bit here is this thing we call rep fire refer and uh for all of our uh our, uh, our listeners out there it's it's uh, the way it works is uh you know you've got to represent 
one of the uh, companies or people that I'm about to mention, you've got to, as their publicity person, as their mm-hmm. PR person, you have to represent one of them, you have to fire one of them, and you have to refer the other. Rep, fire, and refer. So that's, uh, it's to you, William. You got to represent sure. either the Houston Astros, the mm-hmm. Cheaters, who stole the, nine, the 2017 it's World Series. Yep. Yep. Right? The, uh, the trash can guys. Uh, you got the other one. Another one is TikTok. And uh, the third one is Dave Chappelle. Why, why is TikTok in here? I don't know. I couldn't think of a third. So I just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a good reason. Today. So I'm, I'm firing the Astros um, be, because baseball being our national sport, whether or not we like it or not, our national sport um, has always been wrought with cheating. Like hmm. the, you could just go through the fucking Hall of Fame and see, okay, that guy was a racist. This one was a drunk. That was an alcoholic. Uh, this guy over here was a wife beater. You know, everyone fucking cheats. Got it. But these people took it to a different level. <laughs> like they, they like, like 3.0, 4.0 shit. Like they just <laughs> cheating to yeah. the next level. Like they, these people are wearing fucking CIA, you know, earpieces and talking to each other, doing all kinds of crazy <laughs> shit. Big. Yeah. You, you know sure. what? I can't, I can't represent that. Yeah, just, not, it's you, not man. an ethical Amen, or moral issue. It's more of, I, I just don't want to. I mean, I think it's I think, a don't be a dick. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't yeah. want to associate myself with that. Yeah, you no. stole somebody else's shit to make yeah. yourself. You had to stand on somebody's back to make yourself feel taller. No. Good. There you go. Go out, go out and win. Go out and win. You know, like you hit the fucking pitch. facts. That's yeah. facts. Way to speak on it. I like I'm going, it. I'm going to refer TikTok um, because I'm a rep Dave Chappelle. I'm going to refer TikTok because. Uh, first of all, I think that someone that that uh, could really do that brand justice is going to be someone that's deeply embedded in the TikTok community. Hmm. And I think you got to to do that one. I think, you know, I mean, y'all know this because you, you do it every day. You can rep anybody in any industry and do anything. But I think to really do TikTok justice, I think it's got to be someone that's been on TikTok, is on TikTok, lives on TikTok has the app and just is is like like they've been baptized in the waters that is tiktok yeah that would really understand the pros the cons the storylines and how to rep them really well and i and i think i think i would refer that to somebody you know uh you know somebody in y'all's network that just they they live it right and i think they would do i think they would do the brand more justice than someone that that does it with that particular brand uh, you can Dave, give you can you can give it to Kevin. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. a TikTok guy. You gotta go find someone like half my age, man. I yeah. have no idea cat, what cat videos. Now I'll consume TikTok videos through Instagram Reels, but other than that, I got no interest in it. So Dave Chappelle, I would rep, and I wouldn't rep it because it's Dave Chappelle. I'd rep it because it's art, mm. and 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 that's the reason I would rep it because it, it hits my passion. Mm. Like I care deeply about the arts. And, and, and comedy is a form of art and it's, 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 it's job is to make us uncomfortable. It's, it's not there to stroke our ego, to make our feel, make us feel good or make our dreams be nice or any of that other shit. It's to make us uncomfortable with the uncomfortable truths of life. So I would rep it, not just because it's Dave Chappelle, you could actually put, you know, uh, another comic right next to it. And I would, I would pick that. Over the over these other two because it's art. Yeah, good stuff. Well, William, thank you for being here. Um, you 100%. know, thank you for having me. You know, before we go, uh, I want to remind our viewers that we actually let guests pick the songs on the way out, and I've been meaning to do this for a while now. But to ask why they chose the songs that they've done, and you can listen to all of our songs on the embargoed Spotify playlist. Uh, it's a mishmash of everything, but I find it as we do these shows more often, what we're hearing and what we're getting um, is a great mix of not just, you know, of American music generally. And there's some international stuff in there too, but overall. And- those people fake it. Let's be honest. Those people are fakers. I can only automatically call bullshit on that <laughs> because they're not really listening to international music. They want you to think 
That's right. almost yeah, an international exactly. It's like the people with the bookcases that have a bunch of books on it. You haven't read any of those fucking books? Stop lying. <laughs> stop putting books behind you on your fucking Zoom calls. On your Zoom call. Yeah, here's exactly. the deal. No one believes for a if fucking If I see moment, another crossing the chasm, I'm fucking going to throw up. That's exactly right. That's I'm going to fucking puke. You, did, you, did, you didn't even crack the cover. Like You yeah. didn't even get into the first chapter of it. That's a good one. Like, it's, it's just lies. So people are like, oh, no, I listen to Ethiopian music because it makes me a fuck you you don't believe <laughs> unless you're ethiopian you ain't listening you're, you're not listening, listening. <laughs> fuck so, that. so well, anybody that puts world music on there i'm automatically calling bullshit yeah. mm. i love it so I, I gave you a chance and when you gave me four i took the last one right. you want to give you an idea why you chose this song or recommended this one so um uh, you know i, I love uh, dwight yokum um i grew up obviously in texas so country music uh, it's it's deeply woven into me because I didn't think up until age 13, I didn't think that our, the radio dial moved. So <laughs> I'd, get in my dad's, I'd get in my dad's car and I, I didn't know that the dial actually moved until my brother started driving and he moved the dial over to like a rock station. I'm like, wait, wait what's going on? How, how you don't touch dad's, you don't touch dad's radio. Yeah, no, That's but, rule no, number one in the car. But you, but you you had, don't touch the radio. To, I'm listening. You to, to, is this your car? That's not your car. It's my car. You don't touch you know, the radio. I want to listen to. Just sit there. Just be your job, your job is a passenger is to shut the fuck up. Shut and, the fuck and, up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but uh, so so D, country music, especially old country music. So Dwight Yoakam just has a special place because he did country in kind of a rockabilly different way. And he made it palatable and easy to kind of access. It, you know, it's still some of the same storylines that go on in current music, uh, country music today and historically. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's uh, people are getting drunk. And yes, you know, people are, you know, same as some of the same themes are, are happening. But it makes me feel good. Like his music makes me feel good just because he attacked it differently. He yeah. took it and said, I'm going to make my put my twist on this. And I appreciate artists that go out of their way to uh, take a risk. Well, and we appreciate you being on the embargo. So thank you for being yeah, here. Thanks. Happy All to right. be here. Thanks for being invited. All right. Take care, y'all. All right. Yeah.